Hello, I'm Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're about to hear a monologue from our 2014 show for the past 30 years. The show was created as a celebration of the company's 30-year anniversary. And for the past 30 years, shone a light, really, on the experiences of women who'd spent the last three decades working in theatre, health, community, probation, education and business sectors. Aimed to give voice to an array of strong, impassioned women and retaining our mission to create meaningful drama with a genuine social and political agenda. We hope you enjoy them. Coming up now is a monologue that was inspired by talking to women who've done a lot of work within the community. It was written by Steph Dale and performed by Hema Mangu. And after this monologue, you can hear me talking to Enid Syad, who was one of the people that we talked to, whose stories really inspired quite a lot of that monologue, and talking to Enid about community activism and has that changed. But first, let's hear from Maggie. 51, Kara. Mother, mover and shaker. Five minutes to get from sow's ear to silk purse. Bloody well watch me. Oh, I don't know whether going red was a good idea. A lot of women wear black now, don't they? I haven't worn black since, well, your send-off. I saw Fizz the other day. Remember her? Fizz with Mad Dad. Always in the smoking hut next to the fruit store when we were up at the hospital. I haven't seen them since... You're awake? Mad Dad? He was always eating what's-its, like you and your wax crayons. Fizz said she's struggling to get him in and out of bed. I'll try to have a coffee with her. Oh, which eyeshadow? I'm not getting any better at this. I didn't have the time to practice, did I? I'll end up looking like a panda. I should have asked our Holly to do it. She's amazing at this sort of stuff. She's left Trevor. Again. She left a voicemail this morning. Too busy with her career to pop round. Oh, see, I told you, I look like a ruddy panda. The career? I'd have liked one of those. Sorry, I didn't mean... You'd know what I mean. Remember when I started to train as a youth worker? All those kids hanging around that broken-down playground... We were trained to see the needs of the community. And so we took the kids on a day out, out of Birmingham, took them canoeing. They were bloody horrible to me. Kept shouting, where am the shops? But I stuck at it. I loved it and I stuck at it. I'm a sticker. What if I start sweating? Oh, I hope this frock won't stick to me. I worked with them, played with them, and got arrested with them. By the time I had to leave to look after you, they were sharing everything with me. Their stories, sweets, knives, knits. They'd, if you'll excuse me, piss themselves if they could see me now, all done up like a dog's dinner. Oh, I can't... I can't get the zip to... There we go. The Mary's going to be there. Canapes, five courses, and then my speech. I'll make you proud tonight. Proud. I'm going to be talking about you. 
I've got to stand on a stage and say, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Margaret Pearson. Most people call me Maggie. Um, I was born in Rubri. I've been a full-time carer for the past 20-odd years. It was not a career choice, but a necessity. My mother suffered with schizophrenia on and off for over 20 years. She passed away last year. Since then, I've been asked to join the Mental Health Trust and it's been a, a whirl of meetings and workshops ever since. It helps keep her memory alive and I believe I'm not just standing up for mum, I'm standing up for everyone in our situation. She was a lovely lady, a little lady, a bit bird-like. She was happiest when she was sitting in her armchair, surrounded by a family. She loved winter best when the cold pushed everyone into the front room. Pull up a chair, Maggie. A favourite question was, what's going on up your road? My dad died when I was four. That was the beginning of it all. She started seeing faces in the kitchen curtains. They started to talk to her. Just after, I had my daughter, Holly. She was born the night the Berlin Wall came down. I missed most of her growing up because by this time, Mum got to the point where she couldn't speak or make decisions for herself. I sort of fast-tracked Holly into being an adult. She could understand what I was asking her to do. And by the time she was two, I was already saying things like, and there's no need for tears from you. Back then, at the hospital, it took a long time to get things moving. Every department had to speak to the next. Every piece of paper had to be put in order. And eventually, a bespectacled face looked up and told me what I already knew. Mother was mad. That's not the word they used, but it's what they meant. Mum was first sectioned 20 years ago, flitting between hospital and our house ever since. One morning, I was in the bath and Jack, that's my husband, was in the greenhouse watering his tomatoes probably. Anyway, he must have forgotten to lock the back door. We didn't see her for months. We reported it. Of course we did. We looked everywhere. It was long before the social media things. I walked. I walked for miles. We heard nothing. Then one night we had a call from the police. They had found her dancing naked in the park. The police came to the house to tell us. I was so angry it had taken them so long to find her. I started shouting, screaming at them. They didn't like what I was saying. I'm telling you this because that was the night I stopped shouting. I stopped shouting because I didn't want them to take me away. I stopped shouting. I have stopped shouting and I've learned how to use my voice to get what's needed. Mum loved drawing. She did hundreds of pictures of the sky. It calmed her. She got through a mountain of wax crayons. She ate a lot of them, particularly the yellow ones. When she was feeling brighter, she joked that she'd, if you'd excuse me, shit sunbeams. The nurses wouldn't let her stick her pictures to the walls because apparently it would have marked the paintwork. The first time she went into hospital, leaving her at the end of the day was impossible. There was no room on the ward for me to sleep. She would stare at me. In that moment of leaving, 
She wanted to kill me. That isn't an exaggeration. Even while her head was so scrambled, she could somehow see through the fog and she felt I was abandoning her. Back then, there was a lot I wasn't happy with, but I couldn't afford to take the hospital on and I haven't got an education. Everything I know, I've taught myself. Never complain unless you've got time, dates, facts. You learn that. At first I was quiet. I know a lot of you will find that hard to believe. I listened a lot. Then, about ten years ago, there was a day when a city councillor came to do a hospital visit. And that day there was wine, cake and coffee. And as he was leaving, he brought his wine glass over to the sink and he said, How are you? Now, whether it was because I'd had a glass and a half of Jacob's Creek on an empty stomach or... I answered. I answered him. It took me 23 minutes to answer him. Since then, carers have a bed next to the patients. That was the first time the people at the hospital noticed me and I was asked to sit on the board of trustees. As I said, I'm not formally educated, but I can spot people with mental health issues. It doesn't matter what they're wearing, dirty jeans or a Prada blouse... I don't have an education or a career, but keeping her safe, keeping her loved, those are my certificates. Since mum died, I've had time to get my hair cut and have days out. I even went on a yoga class in the countryside. I've read everything there is to know about mental health. I've struggled with a feeling of guilt. Not guilt about whether I could have done more for her, But from feeling free now she's gone, I feel free. We all agree that things have improved, especially for young people. When they changed the names from manic depression to bipolar, it became almost trendy. I feel sorry for the 50-somethings. I mean, my mum was never trendy. We were the forgotten group. We had to fight. The young are okay, but some things are better now. They've got websites and tweets and everything. But, and there's a big but. Not everyone has someone able or willing to care for them. And I know it's not very PC to say this, but I think the current government should be shot at dawn. It's hell. It's bloody hell out there right now. Unstable people need a place of safety. This issue cannot be thrown in a box like an old pair of curtains. With that comes the need for proper training and a decent wage. Carers used to be paid £15 an hour, but then it was deemed too expensive and so the work was contracted out. And since the cuts, people who need to live in sheltered accommodation are suffering and they have no voice, so we don't get to hear what's going on. They're not receiving 24-hour care anymore. For example, my friend Fizz has a father who is struggling to get in and out of bed. His care has been cut He's left alone from six at night until eight in the morning. If he needs to go into hospital, he runs a risk of losing what remains of his benefits and runs a risk of getting into arrears and losing his home. Nobody chooses to be ill. And by that point, nobody's in a fit state to fight for their home. We have to get back to grassroots, making smaller changes quicker. Documenting is much quicker now. Communication is better, easier. We need a new dialectic. 
otherwise there can't be progress. We've got to stop investing in fancy buildings and invest in people. We need to have more hands-on quality of care. We need to get back to seeing something and thinking, what am I going to do about that? That's what I was going to say. Oh, Mum, you'd hate being at a posh table surrounded by lots of people talking, talking, talking and unpronounceable food. Oh, sod it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going. I'm going to go and help Fizz and her dad. Right, so you've just heard Emma Mangu performing Maggie. If you listen on, you can hear me talking with the wonderful Enid Syed. She's a very active woman in the community, Enid, and have things changed since that monologue was written? If you've really enjoyed listening to Maggie's story, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'm here and I'm very, very pleased to be able to speak to Enid, who is one of the women that we uh, research this particular piece, which is about what's happening in communities, a lot of work, great work going on communities. And this piece was written by Steph Dale. And I went out and talked to you with Steph. As she came to Women in Theatre, I think, to Enid, didn't yes, you? Yes, So you've just heard that piece again after four years. Yes. What struck you about it when you were hearing it? Um, sad, really, you know. Um, I still feel guilty because I feel things are improving, but my mum, like I said, was one of the forgotten generation and mm. I still feel like a lot of carers now who've been caring for years feel a bit angry because for new carers, if you're a carer now, you're signposted to Solemn, that's home group, where you can have assessments and they can tell you about services. But then we've got a lot of carers who've been caring for years who feel very angry because... They didn't access that, you know, and they've had to suffer for years. Things have improved greatly now. There's still a way to go. And a lot of that improvement has come from people like you from the community who have stood up and, based on their experience, made those changes. How important do you think it is for community members to be listened to? Oh, extremely. I mean, to make changes, I've probably had to use blood, death, tears, you know, even to get the carers' beds... um, when my dad, father died and um, the hospital asked me if I'd work with them um, because we had to go to a meeting about how my father died and my sister was there and she walked out and she said to me, I'm sleeping, it's like I'm sleeping with the enemy. She said, how can you sit down and help to, you know, put things in place when they've killed dad? This is very interesting, this idea that we've got to come together, haven't yeah. we? There's a lot of polarisation going, people blaming. It's, yes. good. it's really interesting in this piece when... The character says, I, I stopped shouting. Yes. Because often then people can ignore you if you're shouting, yes. isn't it? And we do have to maybe yes. sleep with the enemy, then kind of work out maybe they're not the enemy as much. Yes. Because funding's an issue, isn't it? Yes. And more so probably. Do you think it's got worse since over the last four years or better? No, I think it's got better because I I don't think money is the all. We can't keep throwing money at services and letting them abuse the money. It's not about money. It's not just about money. And how you think you've learned that? Because I think this is a very interesting point of view. We used to be obsessed with how much it cost in this. Let's look at it in a different way. Well, um, 
I used to be the chair for Birmingham Carers Association, so we had over 6,000 carers. We was all volunteers. We used to work three, four days a week mm. with just a little bit of funding from the council. So we didn't get paid and we could do things and we made changes and we helped commission services and we was doing it for free. So all these people are getting thousands and thousands of pounds. Spend your money more wisely, you know, that's what we have to do. It's not just about money. We can keep throwing money, but we need to get the right staff, the attitude. We need to get people who care, who want to make changes. Brilliant. That's how we'll change things. And are you being listened to? Yes, I am. Oh, and I feel need. I've made a lot of changes. You know, like I said to my sister, it, it probably wouldn't help my mum and dad, but for few, for generations, for new carers now, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, and one of the things I was very passionate about was the place of safety because that was forgotten about. And I campaigned, I sat on a board for many years. Lucky enough, my GP was the chair for the meeting and I used to pressure him every week, what about place of safety? And in the end... Um, we got the place of safety and the commissioners phoned me up on the night and says, we've finally done it. I do find it funny because the police took a lot of credit for having that, but they wasn't even at any of the meetings. It was us who done it. It was you. Mm. And I bet a lot of big changes for positive things have come from people like you. Yes. Over the years going, this isn't good enough really, yes. let's shift, let's change this. We have changed things, you know, we really have. You know, in the past in mental health, people would do things to people. They wouldn't ask. Mm. Now we've got choices. And instead of just doing things, you talk to them, you engage with people. And things have changed greatly. And um, I am proud, really, where we was and where we've come. And I think my mum would be proud as well. Thank you very much, Enid. It's mm. great to hear such Thank a you. positive story. Thank you. So that was me, Janice Connolly, talking to the lovely Enid Syed. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Now, if you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. Maggie was written by Steph Dale and performed by Hema Mangu. And it was directed by Joe Gleave. Sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox. And the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios with Brum Radio. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. And the monologue was originally part of the stage production for the past 30 years, produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. Now, this is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity. So if you think, oh, I'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters. Mm-hmm.